Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant. Another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churchtea.org. I'm going to look at Colossians 3.17 one more time. We've been camping out Colossians 3, and I have some really important information to convey to you. Um, and I want, I want you to hear it. I want to hear it loudly. The last night we were in, in, in El Salvador, they did a closing ceremony for us. Don Triplett grabbed all of our team, and they, they, it was amazing. I wish I could explain it to you, but it, it just it, it, words aren't described. And he encouraged us that just because you're leaving El Salvador, you better not and you should not leave the mission. There are people in Ohio who need the mission. And for you as the people of Church Triumphant, you may not have gone to El Salvador, but you are still missionaries. My prayer is that you're not just church attenders. My prayer is not that you're just, you know, volunteers who do fill out a spot in a schedule and have your name on a calendar. I hope and my prayer is that you find yourself being on mission where you are with, with what God's given you. I know what you have isn't much, but trust me, from a guy who can't dance, who danced all week long, probably didn't use one thing that's in his normal skill set. Watch God do something significant with a little bit I have. And uh, he can do that. Let's look at, recognize our mission. Colossians 3.17. The words there, Paul writes, And whatever you do or say, do it as the representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. That again is whatever. Whatever. Whatever, however, whenever. Whatever location. Wherever. You, you, you are to be the representative of Jesus. You can no longer just be an employee. You can no longer just be a neighbor. You can no longer just be a citizen of a county or a city or a community or of a nation. You must be the representative of Lord Jesus Christ. We are all supposed to be missionaries. The problem is most of us, aren't, we are, most of us are not called to be mission someplace else. We're called to be on mission right here, right now, at this time, at this place. In this, in, this, in this community. And so I want you to be aware of that. Whatever one does, there is no sacred secular split in God's eyes. This, is, this, better, this Sunday morning experience better not be the totality of the holy living you get to be a part of. God doesn't see it that way because worship is a lifestyle, because every believer can minister, because the Holy Spirit is personal, powerful, and available, because spiritual growth is not optional, because methods change, and the message isn't because people matter. The reason we must be on mission is because the mission matters. Whatever. God sees no distinction between what we do on Sunday morning and what we do on Monday morning. There is no difference. You should be a missionary. You should see yourself as repping Christ, his ambassador, for his name, with his heart, for his glory, for his mission. Stop just drawing a paycheck. Stop just living in solitude behind your privacy fence, behind the four walls of your house. Stop just being a person who happens to run to the grocery store because you need milk and realize at that moment those steps are being ordered by God. You want to talk about being ordered by God? I watched Dr. Beam this week just meet the right place in the right time. First Assembly and us had different plane itinerary on the way home. They were supposed to leave really early on Saturday morning. We were supposed to ride just, just for logistical issues for King's Castle. We were supposed to ride with them to the airport and really just camp at the airport all day. And late Friday afternoon, Tammy Ogden goes, you know, I think we should probably change, change the, 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 the plan here. And maybe we can get you guys to go a little bit later so you're not just stuck at the airport all day. As we're in some downtime, waiting, basically just waiting to go, 
a, a, a staff person from King's Castle comes running to the men's dorm. Is Dr. Beam around? Yeah, come grab him, take him, take him away. Find out there's an intern who's just showed up from the States who's been there for less than two weeks, who's been sick for three days. She's just dealt with it and dealt with it and dealt with it. And Dr. Beam kind of looks at her, takes a peek and says, you know, he said, she's probably just got a bug. But in the event that maybe it could be something else like an appendix, I would suggest you take her to the, to, to, to the hospital in San Salvador. And so he calls their parents. He, he, he assures them as a doctor what he thinks and, and tries to give them, I, you know, I, I'm here with my kids. And if my child were in an internship, I, you know, I'd want somebody to know that they're really somebody here who does care. Who, and he encouraged them. They, 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 take her to the hosp- they take her to the hospital as we're leaving to go to uh, uh, the airport. By the time we land in Atlanta, we find out that she had a CT and her appendix had ruptured. And she was already out of surgery. And so God directed the steps. Okay, you, you, stop just going to the grocery store. Stop just showing up at a function. Allow yourself to be the missionary God has at that place, at that moment, at that time. Okay? Allow yourself to be that. Romans 14 talks about it, verses 8 and 9. I don't have time to read them, so you guys have to go back and do your homework, which you ought to be doing anyway, and make sure I'm not saying something stupid. Romans 14, 8 through 9, you ought to read that. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. 2 Corinthians 5, 15. Paul talks about exclusively that whatever we do, we should do for the glory of God. Whatever. Very, very distinctly open there. You know what? That should lead us to a place of prayer. And the one thing that I think changed everything about the two trips I've been on in the last two months is that the, both these ministries were built exclusively on prayer. Every team member set a tone that, listen, we are supposed to be, not, not, not the team that came from here, the team that's already there. With, with the prayer tower, with the morning gatherings from in New York City on the, on, the, on the sidewalk before we leave, the drive into, the, into Manhattan, all of that stuff, the, 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 the interns being up at 5 a.m., to pray, and they weren't praying wimpy prayers, man. They weren't going, okay, well, we got to do this. They were rocking the campus, and they were doing their fist, and you know, God, do something. And they were just at it because they knew that, that what they had to do, they could not do. And too many, for too many of us, you know what we do? We can just do what we do. I can get up and go to work in the morning. I can get up and speak a message at church on Sunday morning. I can teach kids. I can lead in worship. I can, I can give it. I can, you know, I can talk to my neighbor. And we're just really used to everything we can do. Listen, you can't do it. What you have to offer cannot fix the need. Unless God shows up in the middle of your giving whatever you have away, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, you know, there should be a place where these thoughts that whatever we do is to be on mission, it would, should drive us to a place of being on our knees and being so desperate for God to do something that nothing else matters. Whatever you do, Acts, Acts says like this, Paul writes or, or spoke, he said, he doesn't live in man-made temples. God doesn't. This is just a location in God's mind. God lives in the hearts and the lives of people, not in locations, not in buildings. And human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. Verse 27 of Acts 17 reads like this, and he goes on speaking there in Athens. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far away from any of us. Verse 28, one of the most amazing pieces of scripture. For in him we live, and in him we move, and in him we have our being. But we don't live that way. We believe those words, but we don't live that way. We think them up here, but you know what? I don't wake up in the morning most days going, oh God, please do something. 
My extent of prayer life with God is grab my cup of coffee, whatever news thing I do, grab in the car and go, God, I need you to bless me today so I just have a good day at work. Am I telling the truth? Hmm? If we're really on mission, we're going to be driven to desperation. Then unless God, unless you show up today, this, th- th- something's not going to happen that's supposed to happen. Unless you take my weakness and my feebleness, unless you take my inability, unless you take the, 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 this thing I have and do something with it, nothing of significance eternally is going to happen. And so God, today, as I drive to work, do something in my life today. God, my kids can't serve you unless you do something. You're going to draw their hearts. And so me just being a parent, I can do all I can do. But God, if you don't show up today and impact my kids, something's not going to happen that needs to happen. Are you hearing me? We, we ought to be driven to our knees because God would seek to use us. And we know we don't have it. We don't have it. He doesn't have need of us. He wants to. We have great need of him. It's in him we live. It's in him we move. It's in him we have our being. He gives life and breath to everything. If he would choose to snatch oxygen from the air, we're all gone. We need him for this next second of our life. Not just the next day, not just the next week, not just the next The next second. The next second. This breath I'm taking right now, I need him to fill it with himself. He breathed into man his own breath, and the man became a living soul. If he snatches that away from me, it's over. And I better live like I believe that. I better walk like I believe that. I'm messed up. I'll be messed up for just any day of the week. I got all this Bible college training, been been mentored by great leaders and different things like that. You You know what my ministry vehicle was this week? I didn't preach a message. I didn't do nothing but dance and try and speak in broken Spanish to people. That's it. That's what I had to offer. And you know why? Because I chose to be stupid for Jesus and look like a doofus. You know what? God took my little and he made much of it. And today, because we had an evangelism team who was willing to do that, 467 people offered a weak offering to Jesus and he did something significant and brought people in. And you know what David said? I will be even more undignified than this. (laughs) Tired of being the guy who's got to have all the stuff. I just want to give Jesus something he can work with. I don't really care what it is. I'll be dumb for Jesus. I'll be stupid. Whatever it takes. I mean, we we got to get about the Father's business. Our our lips in life should speak. Not just our lips and not just our life. Both of them in unison together. Our lives should give opportunity for our lips. Our lips should be speaking and our lives should add credence to what our lips are saying. Everywhere we go. I was reading this week, Philip Nathan, he's a pastor. He writes for Lifeway and several other places. He, he, wrote, he wrote something this week and he talked about five changes that need to happen to become a going church. He referred to, them, to Matthew 28, the Great Commission. You guys know what that is. And if you don't, go read verses 18, 19, and 20 in Matthew 28. I'm old and out of shape. I don't know how I did that for 12 hours. The humidity was excruciating. I mean, it was bad. I stunk so bad. One day we were at lunch, and I bent down to talk to one of the interns, and when I sat down, I got real close to myself, and I'm like, ooh, goodness. Whoa. 
You know what's crazy? God still used my nasty, stinky, sweaty hugs. Huh? He still, I was, I mean, I was nasty. I've been sweating since about six o'clock in the morning. At this point, it's about one o'clock in the afternoon, and I have not ceased to sweat at that, till that point. At any point in time during the day, I was a mess. But God used it. He used it. Five things, five things we need to make so we can be a going church. Change number one, move from working as campus chaplains, just doing our thing here on the campus, to advancing as kingdom missionaries. All of us need to be about that. Be a kingdom missionary. Stop worrying about... Anyway, change number two, move from participating in religious programs to becoming lifestyle disciple makers. All of you have that responsibility. The Great Commission is not just for the pastor or the group leader. The the, the Great Commission to go and make disciples exists for every member of the body of Christ. And if you're too busy to to, to sit down and talk to someone personally about where their life is and encourage them on the wall, you are probably too busy. Well, my kids will be able to. Maybe they don't need to. Maybe they should be one sport kids. I'm just saying. If I don't have, I don't have time to really be about the one thing you just told me to do, then I'm too busy. Just saying. Just saying. If I don't have time for my neighbors, if I don't have time for my coworkers, if I can't afford to spend 45 minutes after work hanging out with somebody because I got to be someplace else, I'm probably too busy. Because that's the one thing Jesus is going to count me faithful to is that commission. I feel like I'm back in El Salvador. It's getting awful hot in here. I'm sweating. I got to finish up because you guys probably have someplace else to go. I don't know. Change number three, move from a perceived home field to active global advancement. I ought to be in God's plan is to reach the entire world. And I can't be so catty with what's going on in my home turf that I can't be concerned, that I can't pray, that I can't give, that I can't go whatever it might be. Change number four, move from creating consumers of religion to community builders of the church. Oh, this one, this, one, this one's the one that gets my goat. I'm going to try not to camp out here. We become consumers because we go to churches to get what we can get out of them. You want to mess me up? Approach me up in the back, in the back of this, this, this hallway back here in my office and say these words to me. I don't think I'm being fed. Well, that is not why you are here. You are not here to consume. You are here to serve. You are called uh, to be out, called out ones in the assembly of the saints to have an impact on the world. Well, we need meat. Listen, Jesus said these words. My meat, my real nourishment comes from doing the will of my Father. Go read John 4. And probably if you're not getting enough meat, you're probably not giving out enough. Time is closing up, man. Time is closing up. Watch the news. Look at things. Read the scripture. Listen to me. It's coming up. You don't have time to really consume stuff you want to consume. You better be about the business of the kingdom. Like Jesus said, he was about his father's business. Whoo, good gravy. Change number five. Move from being knowledge junkies to Jesus followers. Some Some people just come in, they learn, they learn, they learn, they learn. They never do anything with it. Jesus didn't call you to grow in knowledge. He called you to grow to be like him. And the way you be like him, you take what he gives you and you put it to work. Be not hearers of the word, be doers also. 
One empowering reminder, he writes, the authority and presence of Jesus is what makes all this a reality. Jesus has all the authority and promised to never desert us. None of these five changes are powerful by our own wit and self-determination. Jesus, however, loves to do the impossible. Loves to do the impossible. Four times that we know of. My, my daughter insists it was more than that, but I'm not, I haven't gotten clarification, so I'll just do with what I know. Four times while we were gone, people got healed. God did the impossible. How they walk into one clinic, hand all drawn up like this when she walked in. She had, broken a, she had broken her arm or something, was casted incorrectly. Her hand stayed like this. By the time she left, she was going like this. Had an old guy walk in. Had, had an old guy walk in like this. Looked like Tim Conway from what I hear. Walked into the clinic. Little fellow, I don't know if you saw the guy who was praying, the, the intern when it, it was up on the video. Jean, Gianluca, he's from Argentina. He got to pray with him. Him and Elias were, 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 were talking about when I came back from lunch from one of our programs. This guy come walking in like this, could barely, just barely shuffle his feet, could barely move. When he left out of the church, he was going like this. Just like Acts chapter 3. How literally walk in, she had, it, was, it was deaf in one ear. By the time she got to the pharmacy table where Christiana was working, she's going, I can hear, I can hear. I can hear. She was, in Spanish, she was going, I can hear. I can hear. I can hear. One day we were in this severely gang-infested neighborhood. And they told us ahead of time, listen, there's some bad things that go on. The gang's kind of run everything. Gang's run the school. Teachers are petrified. That's where you're going. Da, da, da. A couple of people from our team decided they want to stay back and intercede. Well, we went, which was cool. And one of the guys who ended up saying that was Pastor Sean Howard's son, Isaiah. He's 11. He was on the trip with us. He stays back to pray with a couple other people. He gets to come out and get to be a part of the medical team at that point. And he, he works with one of the counselors. And they're praying for a lady who's got a, got a messed up shoulder. He lays his hand on that shoulder. He starts to pray as an 11-year-old would pray. All of a sudden, he starts going. He looks at his dad on the way home on the plane and goes, Dad, I mean, I hear you guys preach all the time. And you, t- you tell us God can do anything. You tell us that. But I'm telling you, Dad, he can really do anything. He can do anything. 11 years old. Without him, we can't do anything. John 15 said, apart from me, you can do nothing. His intention is for us to bear fruit. And bearing fruit isn't just showing up and clicking a line that I did something. It is is that my life impacts the life of somebody else. That I get to be a part of a kingdom dynamic that if God doesn't show up, good things don't happen. He's given me a certain gift set and talents, albeit they may be weak, but he chooses to use them anyway. And he makes more out of my weakness than than I could ever make in my strength. And so he takes it and he does something with it. Can I ask you a question? How, how is your rep helping Jesus' rep? Because I'm going to say this. As bold as I can say it. If you're not intentionally helping Jesus' rep, you're not helping his rep. If you're going to be stagnant and just sit, you're not helping. You're probably hindering. Because people will look and say, listen, I thought this was about life. This was about hope. This is about joy. This is about peace. And you know what? There's just nothing there. They don't even care enough to pray for me. They don't even care enough to share your gospel with me. They don't even care enough to, to get a little bit uncomfortable to make sure I, I, can't, I can get to heaven. They don't need to, and, and so if you're not doing something, you're not helping. You're probably hurting. But if you wake up in the morning and you go, God, this is your day. This is my life, and I give it back to you. 
I, I right now do Romans 12.1 on purpose. I lay my life down as a living sacrifice that you might find something in it that's of value. And I offer it to you as my reasonable act of worship. That you are everything. And if nothing else happens in my life today, that I just all I get to do is walk my neighborhood and pray, God, take that and use it for the kingdom and make sure something grand happens in the eternal scheme of things. Oh, that, that's what God wants. 1 Peter 4.11, do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Do you fill in the blank? Paul asked that question. Now, Talks about two things specifically, but the real thing is not those two things. He's just giving you examples. Do you, and then put in the blank what you do. Whatever it is, whatever, put whatever in there. Do you whatever. Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you'll do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. We're to be on mission. Being, I saw a YWAM person tweet this this week, and I thought, man, that's, this is strong. Being a lifestyle missionary is not about age, but about priorities. Young and old, small and tall, is still the same. God's mission awaits you. And many times, the mission is right in front of you with those closest to you. Exclamation point. Does what you do bring him glory? I want to ask you. We'll get in a couple, we'll get maybe next week or the week after we'll get into, or, he, or after this part about whatever you do, he gets real down to the nitty gritty because he gets right down where we live. Whatever you do. And he says, husbands, you better be treating your wife right. This is a whatever you do thing. Wives, you better treat your husbands good. This is, a, this is a whatever you do thing. Children, you better obey your parents. This is a whatever you do thing. Workers and bosses, you better, whatever, this is a whatever you do thing. He just gets right down to the everydayness of our lives. And he says, listen, this is what I'm talking about. Whatever you do, do as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever. Whatever. Can I ask you, do you have him? Which you may. I think I'm looking around this, this room this morning. I, most of you I know. I would say, yeah, you have him. But can I ask you, does he have you? And I mean all, all, all of you. I don't mean just the peace. I don't mean just the Sunday morning slot. I don't mean just the, the, group, the group gathering. I don't mean just when you're on the schedule. I mean, does he, does, he, does he have you? Does your husbandry reflect him? Does your parenting reflect him? Does, does, does your, your work ethic reflect him? Does your ability to lead at your office respect, uh, reflect him? Does, does your interaction with your neighbors reflect him? Does, does what you do when you're out in the public square, does it reflect him? Are you repping him? Does he have all of you? Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant, another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churcht.org.